When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cavins. We are back. Yes, it's been a little while since the tag team combination of the world shows up on this podcast, but we are here. It is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cattles, brought to you by Athletic Greens, your one-stop shopping for 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced ingredients, probiotics and aptogens. I didn't say that right, but you get the point to help you start your day. Right. And of course, betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet on sports. First of all, let's update the people. Greg is not on the East coast. Greg is on the West coast. No, we're not hanging out. He's in Nevada. I'm in California. Unfortunately can't get a beer uh, this week, but uh, tell the people Henderson, Nevada is where you're at, Bedard. And uh, also you have an apology to levy to the people. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm in, I'm in Henderson for the practices. Um, not determined yet right now. I'm booked to stay through the game, but that's to be determined. Um, we'll see how things go. Normally I just stay for joint practices and go home and watch the game uh, on television just because I don't get a lot out of being here. And it's a, it's a long trip. Um so we'll see. But uh, yeah, I wanted to apologize to the people. I, I taped a podcast last night uh, after the joint practices. And um, wouldn't you know it, I went through a couple times, uh, fits and starts. So I had to scrap it twice. And I go and I do the third time and sail along. I mean, it was a great podcast. I was like super positive about uh, the final drive of that practice and 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 sort of you know, I thought it was a good pod. And wouldn't you know it, this moron forgot to hit record again. And so none of it was recorded. I had to leave. I was tired. Like, yeah. And so, sorry. So we're, this is going to be sort of like one-stop shopping. We're going to talk about Wednesday's practice, the second and final camp practice. I mean, it's the last time we're going to see them this season. Uh, fully practicing and uh, we'll we'll touch on Monday of course and we'll also do a little bit uh, we'll talk about the Panthers preseason game since I haven't really done that on the pod I did it with um, 98.5 uh, and Felger and Mass and we'll we'll touch on that and um, so get everybody all caught up forgot to press record forgot to press record well uh I haven't been on the podcast. If people don't know, I have two like full-time jobs right now out here in Sacramento. So I'm program director and I'm also hosting in the afternoon. So I had to take a, a business trip. They did one of these research projects for our station. So I had to go down to Phoenix for a few days and uh, it's been a, it's been a pretty busy couple of weeks, but we're right back at it. We are ready and we're actually going to start. And I know this is crazy to some of you. If you have followed Bedard and if you're listening to this pod, you have, but we are actually going to start with some positive thoughts, some positive vibes, get you feeling good about things. Now, will Greg drop the hammer later? You'll have to wait to find out. But let's start with the positive vibes, Greg. Uh, the final drive on Tuesday, 
uh, through the end of today's practice, the passing offense, dare I say it was actually pretty good. Yeah, you could say that, Nick. And I would say that. I would say if you just took the end of yesterday's practice, maybe eliminate an early drill today, and you just focused on about 75% of the practice today, uh, for the first time all training camp, uh, the Patriots look like a competent passing offense. We'll get into the rushing offense later. But uh, they no surprise that their strengths came in two-minute situations, shotgun, spread, Mac doing his thing, um, you know, allowing the guys up front to, to pass Brock a little bit longer. And, you know, I thought things went really well. I actually, for the, for the first time in a long time, uh, I left practice a little bit happy. Um, I know some people will find that hard to believe. They, they, there's, there's some people out there who just think that when I tell you the Patriots are bad, that I want them to be bad or they'll always be bad. No, what I try to give you is an accurate reflection at that time where the team is. And, um, and it wasn't just me. You could tell the, 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 the body posture of the offensive guys – There were some good celebrations, stuff you haven't seen in weeks out of the offense. And, you know, Hunter Henry catches a touchdown and everybody goes nuts to sort of, you know, uh, final play of the game type of situation, have to score a touchdown to win the game, can't settle for a field goal, you know, four seconds left from the nine yard line. And and Mac finds Hunter Henry, a leaping Hunter Henry in the end zone and everybody goes nuts. And, you know, there was a lot of that. Jacoby Myers had two touchdowns today. Ty Montgomery had a touchdown. Uh, to end the two-minute two period on Tuesday, Kendrick Bourne had a touchdown to sort of finish things off. And, and as the Patriots marched down the field and, and scored on the Raiders right after the defense stopped the Raiders. So, you know, you take those large portions of the last couple days, uh, especially today, and you can't help but, but you know, be in a better place. And to think that maybe, possibly – They've turned a corner and now they're going to go on the upslope. I mean, you know, who knows? I don't know how much we're going to see the starters, if at all, on Friday night against the Raiders. And then the showtime in Miami in a couple weeks. And so, but at least finally, it might have taken to the last day of training camp, Nick. But we finally (laughs) saw the Patriots actually look like a competent passing offense where you're like, all right, they, they have a chance to move the ball and put up some points. You know, you mentioned that final drive on uh, yesterday. You mentioned today, the team excited, the mood kind of changed, the, the, the positive vibes, as I just mentioned a minute ago. But if you look out there and you, you want to tell, you want to paint the picture for people listening to this podcast, Greg, why do you think it was better? What, what do you think was better? Why, why, did it, why did it kind of change over the last, you know, day or two? In, in my lay opinion from, from, from watching this team, to me, it was about they got out of the running game. There wasn't a whole lot of running the last in the periods that we're talking about. It was all sort of situational shotgun spread, just like we saw, you know, Mac Jones to Aguilar in the game against the Panthers. Uh, that was shotgun. Basically, any completions that Mac Jones has out of the shotgun. And I think when you're when you're doing that, you're. You know, they talk about simplifying the game for these guys, you know, with the new offense or whatever they're doing with the offense. And it, it hasn't worked under center. 
quite frankly, it's been a bit of a disaster. But when they get back into the shotgun and let basically let Matt cook a little bit, spread things out, he can decipher things. The linemen know, hey, basically, I got that guy, you got that guy. It simplifies things for the for the offensive line. And, you know, the offensive line and one-on-ones, whether it's joint practices or, or a practice, have done a pretty good job. And so you know they can block, but it's – it's these other type of situations. And also when your shotgun spread, you could tell where the pressure's coming from and that helps Mac, the receivers, it helps the offensive line. And so I think it really helps simplify things for everybody and just allow them to get back to what they did last year towards the end of last year at times with the passing offense. So to me, it was about, you know, there's been so much talk about the new scheme, the new whatever. And once you know it, when they really start going, it's because they, they went back to the old stuff, what they knew from last year and are just building on what they did last year. Puts a lot of pressure on Mac though. I mean, if this yeah. run game doesn't get going, there's going to be some concern. I, I was talking about this on my show uh, out here. Um, when we were talking about, you know, Josh McDaniels and the offense that they run. And there was a point that was made in, in one of the, the papers uh, you know, this idea of like, well, McDaniels, the, the run offense is kind of the heartbeat of the offense. And, and I talked about it on the show, how that might surprise some people who are Raiders fans who haven't paid close attention to what the Patriots do offensively with McDaniels as the guy. And I started to look at it, you know, and in four out of the last five years, you're talking about a top 10 rush offense. When you talk rushing yards, I think it was, you know, 2019 was the anomaly where they were like 18th or something weird. But other than that, I mean, this is an offense that is geared off of the run a lot of times. And, and if that run game fails them and they're left with, Hey, we got to just sling it with Mac Jones. As much as I love Mac, I don't think that's what Belichick wants. So, you know, it's, it's kind of an interesting thing to see if, if this run game can kind of get it going during the regular season, because it hasn't been there. Um, but speaking of people that have been there, who, who's showing out to you, you know, who's showing out, who's showing up for the offense. Yeah, I I would start with Jacoby Myers. He's been outstanding. Yes, Devontae Parker popped early in camp. And, you know, there was talk about 50-50 balls. They're not 50-50 for Devontae. They're 80-20 and, and all that stuff. And all that stuff was legit at the time. But in the last couple of weeks, in my mind, Jacoby Myers has clearly been the top wide receiver on the team, not only in terms of you know, what he's doing and getting open and being productive, but just his max comfort with him. And, you know, Mac, I asked Mac about it today after practice. And he talked about, you know, of course, we know how smart Jacoby is as a former quarterback. And, you know, he's he's one of his best friends on the team. And, and you just see it. I mean, they had a they had a couple touchdowns. There was one in the seven on seven where you know, Mac just threw it up in the corner and, and Jacoby just read what he was going to do. And it was perfect just timing pass like and then there was another one in the end zone where um mac jacoby went up in the air but mac threw a back shoulder to him and jacoby knew exactly what he was doing he had the body control to turn and catch and get two feet down and you know pretty much any time uh mac needs a play and it could be on the there was a third down conversion, I think, yesterday on that final drive that went to Jacoby. It's always Jacoby. Now, you know, you worry about teams wising up to that eventually and taking him out of the equation. 
Um, you know, he's not exactly teams try to do that with Julian Edelman, but they couldn't because he was so quick. Jacoby, he doesn't have that strength. He has other strengths. And but there's no question in my mind that Jacoby has been uh, lights out at receiver. He's very valuable for them. I think Hunter Henry came back this week to the joint practices. He really gives the team a lot in the middle of the field that they've been lacking. John, that's not really John who's bag. It's still not his bag. And, right. you know, not having a guy like Tyquan Thornton out there um, now that he's he's injured and probably going to miss half the season. You know, Tyquan was developing an ability to go down the middle of the field and give you a deep dig. And now it's Hunter Henry doing that for Mac. And that's important. Um, and, uh, you know, I think I'm trying to think who else. Um, you know, those are the main guys, you know, that really th- those two guys, when they're going, you could tell Mac has a real good comfort level. You know, Jacoby Myers, man, he's just he's just so steady. It's mm-hmm. like every year you go into a season going, well, this is the year that he might slide down to the third or fourth guy or the fifth guy. And, and by the end of camp, you're going, well, nope, there he is. It's Jacoby Myers. He's making some plays and it, it will be fascinating to see how defenses adjust if he gets off to a great start. As you said, he's not somebody who I would say is an electric athlete. He's not super fast. He's not super quick. Mm -hmm. Um, He's a bigger slot kind of guy. But, of course, if you start to pay more attention to him, that might open up some other things with this offense. So it might not be the end of the world. But I think we just, you know, we should credit Jacoby Myers because he he is always, every time we kind of get ready to throw him out of town, and not because we don't like him, but because he doesn't jump off the screen to you. But mm-hmm. there he is, just you know, making plays, Mister Dependable. Hundred um, percent. Let's jump to the uh, defensive side. How did the defense look? I mean, I, I think people kind of think about the Raiders, and they know about Devonte Adams. But honestly, Greg, when you look at this team, they've got some questions in the offensive line. I think, but when yep. you look at the skill position players. Man, Josh McDaniels has a lot of weapons at his disposal. You've got Hunter Renfro. You've got Darren Waller, who I know is out with a hammy. But if if he's healthy, you obviously have Devontae Adams. You, you've got some backs. Um, and, you know, you, you look at this offense. I, I like Derek Carr. Uh, I've always been a Derek Carr guy. I'm not telling you he's great, but I think he's, you know, underappreciated. But, you know, you look at this offense, and, and it feels like this offense – could really put points up on the board. So what did you see from the defense against that skill level and that talent level of the Raiders? Yeah, the Raiders are, they're, they're very impressive. I mean, you're right. The right side of their line, right guard, right tackle. They're still trying to figure that out. I mean, <clears throat> former Patriot Jermaine Illuminor is even out there as sort of like an option. Yeah. Uh, if Leatherwood, uh, who looks more and more like a bust every day, if he can't, if he can't grab the job, um, so, you know, look out uh, below for the Raiders. But, you know, you look at Devontae Adams. I, I've never seen him in person, um, you know, up close like we have the past yeah. couple of days. Holy mackerel, is that guy good? I mean, he is just <laughs> he's a cheat code. He And he makes it look so easy that the great ones always do that. The great ones. I mean, even Brady, you know, Brady in the pocket as a quarterback. He just made it look easy. Like he was, you know, when Brady was going good, it was, you know, it looked like. He was just there's storm raging around him, but he was just a picture of calm. And Devontae Adams is the same way as a receiver. And then, you know, Hunter Renfro, uh, you know, isn't anything special athletically, probably a little bit better than Jacoby. But, man, he is just 
they have it working. I mean, they got the Patriots slot thing going with him and like, you know, it's, it's tough to defend. No Waller. So that helps. Um, Foster Moreau was, was sort of, you know, trying to imitate Waller. Then you have Josh Jacobs out of the backfield. I mean, extremely talented. And, um, you know, I thought the Patriots, I thought the Patriots held their own for the most part. Um, you know, the first day was kind of rough. And, and the thing with Carr, and I sort of have a love-hate relationship with Carr. I mean, sometimes I love him. Sometimes I want to kill him. And I think his <laughs> offensive coordinators, you know, Gruden and other guys who have worked with him have the same thing because there are some plays that he makes. You're just like, God damn, this kid's good. But then they, then you dial up a really nice play that you spent two weeks preparing for to call in a specific spot. And like, for example, uh, their two minute drive yesterday where they came up short, Josh McDaniels dialed up this play that got Brandon Bolden one-on-one with a matchup that he wanted right down the field. Bolden has five yards into the end zone. He's wide open and and car sails him, sails it out of the end zone and just misses him or else it should have been a touchdown. And, and he also gets a little captain check downy too much um, for my liking. And that'll be interesting to see how that works with McDaniels. But there's no question that he's extremely efficient. I mean, there were times the first day when I was just like, when was the last time Carr had an incompletion? And the other writers are like, yeah, I I, I don't know. It's been multiple periods. I mean, because if he doesn't have it, he checks it down. And it, and it keeps the chains moving. It keeps the team moving. And so, you know, I thought the Patriots adjusted well the second day. Um, Carr was definitely off. Uh, today on, on Wednesday and that helped things. Um, but I thought like, you know, like Jalen Mills, he got dusted by Adams and one-on-ones on Tuesday, came back on Wednesday and he was two and zero against Adams, which is a great showing, you know, Terrence Mitchell, even, you know, he might give up a play to Adams. You're always going to give a play to Adams, but then the next play he's getting his hands on a ball and breaking it up. And, you know, I thought miles Bryant, he had a tough assignment with Renfro in the slot. I mean, it was he had a tough couple days, and I feel for the kid. Um, but uh, it's it's just interesting to watch the two teams, Nick, because there's so much. They they run the same offenses and they run the same defenses. So like even who was it? <laughs> McDaniel's was saying today that uh, when they were in that two minute period, like they the Raiders would make an adjustment at the line. They weren't playing music or anything like that. And the Patriots defense is hearing the adjustment and they know it from the Patriots offense and they're checking. And so, you know, they had a little bit of a leg up because they have a few more tricks in the bag than the Raiders do learning the system. Um, But like today, Matthew Judon, the car made a check at the line and Matthew, you could tell Matthew Judon knew exactly what they were going to do because he jumped into the lane and car almost like hit him in the face mask with the ball (laughs) that he was there so quickly. So it's kind of hard to judge, but I thought the Patriots did a nice job. Their pass rush came on. I thought Matthew Judon, in my opinion, outside of Adams was the second best player on the field. Uh, He, he brought pass rush one, one drill today. He had a stuff, a pass breakup and a sack to end uh, and the drill all in the same session. And he did that repeatedly. Uche got in there a few times. Barmore did his thing. Josh McDaniels even um, talked about how that's good work for their interior guys. Like you don't see a guy like Christian Barmore. So McDaniels knows how good Barmore is. And so there, there was a lot of good stuff. It wasn't perfect, um, but I thought it was a really good test for this team, especially going in and playing Miami in two weeks, who you know also has a ton of good weapons. How do you feel about their run defense? It was a big question last year. We talked about Godchild. We, we talked about the linebackers, second level, stepping up, playing better. 
Uh, how do you feel about that run D going into the final preseason game? I feel I, I feel okay about it. I mean, I, you know, this is the positive part of the uh, of the podcast. So, and and I, I'm not lying to people. I'm not trying to keep it positive. I mean, do they give up plays sometimes? Yeah. I mean, was Josh Jacobs getting free for 15 yards on occasion? Yes, absolutely. And that frightened you a little bit. But I thought overall, I thought they did a better job, and they did it with all their different personnel. And well, you know, one of the things we'll talk about later with the preseason game is I think Christian Barmore is taking another step as a possible three down guy, you know, with his work against the run, he's not just a pass rusher anymore. And so I think that's a good sign. And also I think Bentley's been outstanding in camp and like really reading things ahead of time and, 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 you know, penetrating and screwing up blocking schemes. And, and if he keeps doing that, that, that frees up stuff for Raekwon McMillan and uh, Mac Wilson and uh, much to my chagrin, Jelani Tavai, who, is out there still all the time. <clears throat> I don't get it, but he is. Uh, uh, the, uh, the, yeah, keeping it positive. Keep it. Uh, so yeah, I I feel I feel okay. I mean, I definitely want to see what happens when they go up against the Mike McDaniel Shanahan blocking scheme. How well are they going to do? Because if they don't stop the run against the Dolphins, uh, they're going to be in for a long day. Jelani Patricia out there in the second level. Uh, you know. The, the 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 long lost brother of Maddie P who was attached to the hip with him. There's a lot of love between those guys. Yep. Uh we have a hell of a lot more to get to, but first let's get to Athletic Greens, Greg. I started taking AG1 because I wanted to make sure I was getting all the vitamins and nutritional supplements I needed in one place. I'm sick of buying like five or six pill bottles. Now I've been on it for <laughs> over a month and I love it. It doesn't taste like it's super healthy, you know, green juice. Everyone's like, Bleh. no, I don't want to drink that. But it's good. I'm telling you, it, it has a kind of mild tropical taste. It's a little minty, and I actually look forward to it each morning. So what is this stuff? With one delicious scoop of AG1 from Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source ingredients, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery focus, and aging, all the things that you're looking for. I take it first thing in the morning. It's now part of my morning routine, and I'd be lost without it. it. Contains less than one gram of sugar, which is awesome. With my diet, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals or artificial anything, while still tasting good. It really does. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and, a, and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash Bedard. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash Bedard to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Adaptogens. Adaptogens. Get on it. Adaptogen. Got it. Took me a couple times. All right, so that's the positive stuff. You know, we don't call our guy Greg the wet blanket just to call him the wet blanket. There's, there is some some reason for that. And you knew you were not going to get just everything glowing, right? But in fairness, as we've said on this podcast before, we try to paint the entire picture. We try to give you the good and the bad. And now you got the good, so you know what's coming next. The not-so-positive stuff from Bedard. You could tell by the wide smile on his face. This is his favorite, favorite segment of today's podcast. But the, uh, the not-so-positive stuff, let, let's look at the offense. 
the offense is good now, but you know, are they going to continue to go up? Do you feel positive about, you know, kind of what this offense will look like moving forward, or we might want to tap the brakes a little bit. Uh, I do not feel a ton better about the offense. Um, I mean, I feel a little bit better. Um, if you told me that the Patriots could, were going to be in two minute the entire game or, or, you know, do I feel confident about them being in a two minute situation? Yes, I do. And, and again, I like, I like Mac Jones. I like the running backs. I like the tight ends. I like the wide receivers. I think they have enough. And I like the assembly of talent on the offensive line. Um, but look, they can't play two minute all the time and then, and they're not going to. And when they get under center and they try to run the ball, Nick, they're a freaking train wreck. I mean, even today when things went well for the offense, they ran five running plays. Okay. Five, including one that was an end around to Johnny Smith and four of them went for no gain four out of five. Yikes. And, Yikes. and there was, there was one for like maybe like five yards, I think, Ramondre Stevenson. Like, that's it. I mean, when they went end around to Johnny Smith, there was a flag on the Patriots, like legal motion. They didn't even do it right. And <laughs> so, you know, look, we know where this team is. We know what Mac is. And you were you made the point earlier, and you're exactly correct. Like, for Mac to be at his best, and I know they're they're trying to incorporate, I think, some RPO stuff to help this along and, and maybe bridge the gap um, in the interim. But – you know, really, when the Patriots are at their best, and you even look at the Shanahan system, if you want to adapt that and include that, and where Mac Jones, how he needs to operate as far as his talent level as an athlete, he needs to be under center. They need to have an effective running game. They need to have play action. They need all that stuff to really, you know, from from beginning to end of the game to be a formidable offense. And right now, it's just not there. They cannot block up front. And this also goes to, you know, did the offense look good today? Yeah. And did did it appear that Mac was well protected? And Mac even mentioned it after practice. Yes. But this is a practice situation. And there are a lot of times where the Raiders are pulling up and, and things like that. And and with, we had a terrible angle for these practices, worse than Foxborough, if you can imagine. And so it was hard for us to see, like, all right, was there real pressure you know, it, it, was he really sacked? It, it, we're just guessing, basically. And so right. in live game situations, when you combine the run blocking, which has just been a train wreck. I mean, there are some times when they go back to their inside, you know, regular inside or double team, get to the second level. Like, they're okay with that. But this new stuff, for example, Nick. So they're about to go to team. And I think it was the Raiders offense was on the field. So Matt Patricia got the offense and they went over to another practice field and they just started going on air. And this was right before the first team session. And the first team session was a train wreck today again. And so they go over this practice field and it's just them. It's just the offense. They're working on air. And so they're going through repping the plays that they're going to do to start this drive. So the first one, wouldn't you know it stretch run outside zone to the left and Cole Strange gets to the second level like it all looks nice. Then they run a, a screen, a throwback screen to Jacoby Myers. Okay, so they're repping these plays. Then it's their turn to go onto the field. What do they do? They run the stretch run on first down. Stuffed at the line. Then they come back 
to the to, to the backside screen to Jacoby Myers. It's basically play action off of the play they did just ran, then throw it back. And it looked great on air. Jacoby Myers catches it, immediately hit. And so that's the kind of stuff that we're talking about. Two minute, good. Everything else, still bad. And we'll have to see whether they have enough time to get it right uh, for the Dolphins. What is it? I mean, it's obviously the offensive line, Mm -hmm. offensive line issue. Is it a a lack of uh, talent? Is it a lack of cohesion? Because there's been some moving parts. Is it the coaching? Is it some of the change in scheme with the run game and everything? Or is it just all of the above? Well, I don't think, in my opinion, I don't think it's, I don't think it's the talent. I mean, all of these guys, you just, and this goes for the whole offense. And I don't mean to go on a rant right now, but, you know, there's a lot of Patriots fans who, you know, don't like me right now for, you know, me being honest about where the team is. But like, how about, how about some of you guys be honest about where the Patriots are? They've changed two people on offense. They added Devontae Parker and they swapped and they brought in Cole Strange. No Shaq Mason bring in Devontae Parker. That's it. Everybody else was here last year when they were sixth in points as an offense. And they were third in combined explosive plays. And now they're like they're like three weeks behind on offense. And and it starts with it starts with the offensive line. Trent Brown, good player, has some issues at times. We all know we've talked about it. Cole Strange, good player, perfect fit for the outside zone scheme. David Andrews, good player. Um, Michael Wenu, good player. Is he a better tackle than he is a guard? I don't know, but I thought he I thought he had some good practices this week. And then at right tackle, you have Isaiah Wynn when he's out there. Uh, you know, good, good, solid player for the most part. And so it's not the talent thing. To me, when I watch this offensive line, and everybody knows I study the offensive line more than anybody else, and I, I love it. I think those guys are underappreciated. Yeah, right, the coaches – the coaches are underappreciated. And what I see is a lack of attention to detail in terms of footwork, handwork, timing, like all the stuff that you look for when you say, is this a good offensive line unit? And they're not. They are very far from it. And to me, I do think some of it has to do with the scheme, but largely I think it's the coaching. I think they look like they are being led by a part-time offensive line coach in Matt Patricia, which he is because he has so many other duties and an assistant coach in Billy Yates, who is very inexperienced. And and I made the point on Felger and Maz the other day, and I stand by it. If Dante Scarnecchia was here, if he was the offensive line coach from jump, would this offensive line look like this at this point? There is no way in hell, no way in hell Dante would have it it would already be ready to go for the regular season by now. And and that, that to me says everything. It's, it's frustrating. You know, it's, we we talked about this during the entire off season. Belichick deserves the benefit of the doubt. You know, maybe he has some grand plan that we're missing here. Maybe he knows more, you know, than he obviously knows more than we do inside those walls. And, and, mm-hmm. you know, we'll, we'll see if this thing looks as bad as it, as it feels with the Patricia judge stuff. And if this doesn't get better and we're talking week four, week five, week six, and we're looking back and this offensive line is still screwy with the technique. And you're, you're looking at things saying, man, if, if they were coached up, if they were coached, 
if, if they had better coaches in place, this team would be better. This offensive line would be better. Therefore, the offense would be better. Mac Jones would be better. The run game, you go on down the line, and it's going to be very frustrating if it, if it does come down to mostly coaching that everybody who obviously cannot come close to Bill Belichick's football knowledge and, and coaching know-how and everything that he's accomplished that us kind of layman's, as you say, Greg, looked at this and said, do we, do you really want to do that? Because if it doesn't work, it could be ugly. If it ends up ugly. And if, if it ends up ugly early, it's going to be infuriating because you feel like everybody should have seen this coming. If it goes that way, if it goes the other way, then you go, Hey man, he, you know, he proved us all wrong. Yeah, Belichick's and, and, Belichick. If it doesn't, then man, poof. Yeah. And, and, you know, just to tack onto that, I mean, you know, there are some Patriots fans who are out there and, you know, God bless you. You want to be positive. You want to say, all right, the belief that Belichick always does everything for a reason. And, you know, maybe there are a lot of people out there and maybe not a lot, but I've heard this, that people are like, Oh, well, this is really about next year. And, you know, they'll have a lot of cap space. And like, I tossed that out. Like, are you, are you effing kidding me? Like what was 2020 about with Cam Newton? That was supposed to be a reset year. Last year was supposed to be the ground floor. You got a rookie quarterback. He got a ton of experience. You brought in a bunch of guys with a lot of money. And yeah, you knew they were all weren't going to hit in year one, but you figured in year two, I mean, if Josh McDaniels was here running this offense, I mean, would anybody be talking about, oh, no, it's about next year? No, to me, it's ridiculous. Like, they've added on defense. I think the defense is going to be okay. I mean, we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, you know, where we most of our fears uh, were in the offseason was with the defense and the secondary and things like that. And, and it looks like they have something there. We'll see. But, no, we shouldn't. They should not be allowed in, in, to punt on this year. No, they shouldn't. I mean, what the hell do the Crafts spend $150 million for? You know, they should be – they went 10-7 and 7 last year. Last year was the first step. They should be going forward. And if they don't go forward and if they just trot in place, like that's not good enough. They, they should be going. And if they don't go there, to me, it's because of Belichick's decisions with the coaching staff. And I'm sorry, that's not good enough. As far as where this team is, I, I can't agree with you more. I mean – I remember doing shows during that cam year at EEI. Yes, I worked there at one point. <laughs> and I was I was doing shows, and my whole point was, look, you can get through this year with Cam. Yep. And you and I yep. talked about it on the pod. Like, get through the year with Cam. Everybody, you know, deserves or not deserves, but you can live with a down year for everybody, right? You get, all right, it was a down year. You dominated for most of the last 20 years. You can live with that. Yep. But my whole point was – you're going to go through the pain of that season of 2020. So you can get into the off season with a better pick to hopefully pick a quarterback to have some cap space, to spend that money and to ignite the team into really fast forward the rebuilding process because of where the draft left you in the prior years. And that was the whole idea. The whole idea was 2021, like you just said, Greg, was the first step. That was the launching pad. It was okay. Now you got Mac, the franchise quarterback. You brought in some talented pieces. Now you also had a good draft last year. You have another good draft this season. You get, you know, better production from those second year guys that you brought in last year. And this year you build off of what you did last year. You you don't 
You don't look back at last year and say, oh, we took a step back in 2022. That defeats the entire purpose of the last two years that we've gone through, two and a half years. So I, I totally agree with you that, you know, th there is no space here to win eight games this year, nine games this year. You won 10 a season ago. I know it ended ugly, but we should be talking about a football team that is in shape to win 10 to 12 games. And if they're going to take a step back and it's it, a lot of it's got to do with coaching because talent wise, I, I don't think they're that much off from last year, if not better this year. If, if it comes down to coaching, Belichick has to come out. He has to take accountability and people should hold him accountable. If we're going to cherish all the good that he has done and he has done a shit ton of good. If we're going to sit there and we're going to talk about how great Belichick's been and we're going to give him his flowers when he when he does great. And last year. We gave him credit. You won 10 games, rookie quarterback, blah, 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 blah. He deserves all of that. But he also deserves the criticism, and he also deserves people holding him accountable if he decides to bring in Matt Patricia and Joe Judge on the offensive staff and it blows up in their face. Because that's what he – that when you have a manager, when you have top management, Greg runs, you know, Boston Sports Journal. When things go well for Boston Sports Journal, I can guarantee you, Greg, is – feeling good about it and, and and his workforce should be like, Hey, Greg, thanks for doing this. You're doing it. When, when something goes wrong, Greg is the guy because he's the one with the responsibility to step up and say, I could have done better and I messed up. So again, he deserves the benefit of the doubt because he's the greatest coach of all time in my eyes, especially at the NFL level, but you're absolutely right, man. If this is a step back in 2022, unless we have a rash of injuries, which hopefully we don't, but if it's if it's this team is relatively healthy and they take a step back, that's on the guy in charge. Whether whether mm -hmm. people like it or not, that's it. It's like the quarterback on the field. He's in charge. He runs this game. It was his decision. Nobody forced Bill Belichick to bring Matt Patricia in as the offensive line coach. Nobody put a gun to his head and said, you got to bring in Joe Judge and put him on the offense as the quarterback's coach. Nobody did that. He, he could have done whatever he wanted to do with this coaching staff in the offseason. He did what he did. And if it backfires, he deserves the criticism. If it does great, then I will be sitting here praising him and saying, Bill Belichick did it once again. But he deserves the other side if it doesn't work out. You can't, you know, you can't, you can't sit there and wax poetic about the guy when he does great. And then when he doesn't do so great, oh, well, well, he did great before. We get that. But what is he doing now? So there's my tangent. There's my rant. Um, Amen, brother. Let me ask you this quickly. Uh, can the Patriots afford to get off to a slow start? I don't think so. I, I don't. I mean, look, they went one and three last year and rallied and made the playoffs. I understand that. And and they do have a soft middle to the schedule. I mean, they have a legit chance if they're, you know, if they're competitive uh, to go through seven and oh, there in the middle. I mean, they got a lot of fat games against, you know, the, the Jets and the Browns without Deshaun Watson and, you know, a lot of games like that in the middle. Um, so, you know, even one and three, it's not a complete disaster, but the back end, like they, they can't afford, they're not going to have the wiggle room in this conference to get off to a slow start. And, and, you know, they, they have a tough slate. I mean, Miami, Pittsburgh, the Ravens, and what's the fourth game? I'm just blanking on it, but, but in, in any event, there are four really tough games to start the year. And, they need to be at their best. And I have a feeling that Bill, I know a lot of Patriots fans are talking about, and I've talked about it in the past. Even last year was a big joke with Adam Jones, even though the context was taken out where I was like, you know, 
look, the first four or five games don't matter all that much. It was at the time it was in the context of what if you started Cam Newton and then went to Mac Jones, like give him a little bit more time. That was the context of it. It was not in general. I just don't, they can't afford to sit back and say, well, you know, we can punt on the first month. Like Brady's not here anymore and there's not enough of a wiggle room. And so I don't think they can. And I think, I think we're going to hear things about their approach to the Dolphins game when it comes to it that tells you that Bill's not effing around, that he's serious about this, and he knows that Miami game. I mean, this is a Miami team that's, I think, beaten them three times in a row. And, you know, with Tua at quarterback, and, you know, they can't afford to go down there and F things up in week one, and, you know, let alone what that will say to the team and the fans that if if they go out there and they're a disaster, especially offensively in week one, you know, I, I don't think they can even afford a slip up like that. I think they need to come out and they need to battle and they need to be competitive at least in week one, even if they don't, don't get a W. But, you know, I think one and three might be a death sentence this year with the start. You know, you'd at least like to be two and two. And that team we were missing was the Packers. So they're at Ooh. the Dolphins, at the Steelers. Then they've got the Ravens in New England, and then they're at the Packers. So three, three out of your games. first four games on the road. Yep, three row games out of the first four. And it's at Miami, at Pittsburgh, and at Green Bay. All three places, very tough to play, and your home game is against the Ravens. And that's not an easy game uh, if, you're, if you're looking at this schedule. So, yeah, it's, it's a pretty tough first month. All right, uh, before we get to uh, some other thoughts, the Panthers game we got to talk about, the question of the day, uh, let's talk about betonline.ag, the fastest, easiest way to bet on sports. Yeah, Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code CLNS50, that's CLNS50, to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. All right, so uh, let's quickly look at the Panthers game. It was a few days ago, as we know, but we haven't had the chance to kind of look at this on the pod. So so let's take a look at it now. Uh, I did watch the game. I, I did see the oh, game. NFL nice. Network's doing a great job pumping out the preseason game. So I've actually seen the first two preseason games. I'm going to see certainly the, the Raiders game. So uh, should be in good shape as far as that goes. But, you know, some things that, that jumped out at me, Greg, was, you know, that final drive for the for, for Mac and the offense, I thought was big. The, the, the big time play over the top, the, the bucket throw to Aguilar mm-hmm. was, was a fantastic play uh, by both guys. And that touchdown drive I thought was, was pretty critical because again, they got off to a very sluggish start and it was, Oh man, here we go. Right. Two preseason games, nothing, to, nothing to watch. And you don't feel great about it, but I, I felt a little bit better, but really what, what jumped out at me, because a little Jordan Humphrey was nice to watch. He, he made a lot of plays offensively. He made the great play on the special teams. But the defense, you know, you mentioned this earlier in the pod. When we were getting ready to, to, to watch this team go through camp in the preseason, a lot of the questions that we had were on the defensive side. You know, and I think some of those questions I actually feel better about. And I don't know if I should, but I do. Like Anthony Jennings, for example, he was kind of a mystery man. 
he looks pretty good. He looks like he's going to chip in. Looks like he can do some things. Uche, you know, rushing the passer. He has shown up several times early on. Um, and the defensive line, especially the pass rush, has jumped out at me a little bit here. So that, that's really what kind of jumped out was this, this, this defense might be better than I thought it was going to be. And I, I thought it could be decent if, if things went well in certain areas. But maybe I'm way off here. But I, I do think this defense is going to compete. And, and I think maybe a month, month and a half into the season, uh, when they're even more kind of, you know, gelled together, I, I do think they have some pieces on that side of the football that can help them be pretty tough. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with you. I think, um, you know, especially in that game, the pass rush is good. The Panthers, you know, don't have great offensive line. It was their second and well, no, they started their offensive line. I mean, they had the, the Ekawanu kid, the sixth overall pick was playing left tackle. And I think uh, Uche and Jennings got the best of them a few times and, and Judon. Uh, you know, he's got a lot of stuff to clean up, but you know, you mentioned Jennings. I will mention he's been quiet this week. I don't remember him doing much mm. of anything in the practices. So I don't know what that means. I will say one thing I will be monitoring once the season comes is like when you look at these games and also these joint practices, Steve Belichick is call, causing a calling a lot of blitzes. And is that we've seen this before from them in the past where all of a sudden you're like, Oh my God, they're sending pressure all the time. And I remember when Gerard Mayo was a middle linebacker there was, and then we're like, okay, this is what they're going to do. And then you get to the regular season and they don't call that stuff. They don't like to blitz (laughs) at all, unless it's certain situations, certain areas of the field. So can they still get the, I think the ultimate question for this defense is can they get enough pressure with four with people paying extra attention to Judon, is it going to be Jennings or Uche on the other side sort of getting pass rush? And, you know, can they get enough pass rush to offset the coverage? And that's going to be the big thing with this defense. And I don't I don't think we have the answer to that, but you're right. The, so far, it's been positive. And it's probably been more positive than I thought it was going to be at this point. Uh, but, you know, we'll have to see how that goes. Were you surprised, quick question here, were you surprised uh, how much Mac Wilson played and, and how late he was in that game? Uh, a little bit. I, I've been puzzled by a lot of their personnel choices at linebacker, um, namely Jelani Tavai's, like, he's always <laughs> out there. Even in the joint practices, you're like, wait a minute. I remember the first game, he, first play of the game against the Panthers. Like, I know the Panthers had some personnel package, and he wasn't supposed to be the starter, but the Panthers came out and, like, one back, two tight ends. So all of a sudden, like, Barmore came on the field. And Tavai, and I'm looking at the I'm like, is that Tavai out there? And, uh, you know, Mac Wilson, I will say <laughs> – the the first preseason game, uh, you know, he's 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 a see it, hit it guy, run, see it, hit it, you know, type of linebacker. And you know that and he's a really right. good athlete and he's strong. He's always had some deficiencies in coverage and that really showed up in the first game. He had a couple of plays that I didn't think were very good, but I got to give him a lot of credit. He obviously watched the film, took the coaching and he made two. He broke up two passes in the game. So that was him showing improvement. If he can keep doing that then I do think he has a chance to be, uh, you know, have more of a role on this team. And and I hope he does, because I do think his athletic profile is something this team needs. Yeah, Jelani, Patricia. All right, so quick uh, quick three up, three down from the Carolina game, Greg, from you. Yeah, I'll, I'll do this real quick. Um, Christian Barmore, he didn't play a ton, but, uh, you know, and I wrote about this on the website, you know, with uh, a video breakdown, um, you know, a couple of the plays that he had against the run, 
he knocked the guard into next Tuesday and then also wrecked a double team and they held up against the point of attack and then made a play like those two play, just those two plays alone. Just that's if you want Christian Barmore to be like an all pro type of player, a game record, every single down, then he needs to do more of that. And that those kind of plays will, will get him more time. I thought Ty Montgomery, I thought the offense kind of yeah. changed once he entered the game and his, yep. his athletic ability out of the backfield and doing different things. I said, not only is that, is he a good player and a, and a good outlet for Mac, but once you get to the regular season, that causes personnel issues for the defense. How are you going to defend it? And the Patriots can run a lot of stuff off that, like sort of like Hernandez and Corderell Patterson when they were doing that. And, and I'm going to give a shout out to Michael Wenu, big Mike for, you know, he moved over to right tackle for that game because uh, Wynn had been hurt. And, you know, we've, we talked about it a lot last year, you know, that he was, he was a right tackle as a rookie, did a really nice job. They kicked him inside the guard last year, lost his job to Ted Karras because he wasn't that good of a guard. They put it back in at guard this year. It's been okay. Then all of a sudden they move him out to right tackle and he has a clean sheet and he looks great. And, and, you know, the offense, you know, does some things. And so, uh, you know, I thought big Mike did a good job and he's been a guard this week, but I don't know. That's something I would take a look at again, especially if um, somebody named <clears throat> Isaiah Wynn gets traded or anything like that. Yeah. Isaiah Wynn is just so damn frustrating. I, I'm done with him. I mean, I'm not saying he can't be good. Uh, we saw, we saw that he he could be good, but man, it's always something with him. But it, it is always something with Isaiah Wynn, whether it's injury or he's just not around early on and you're questioning some of his work ethic stuff. It's just always something. Ty Montgomery to me is like the clear third, you know, back. He is, he, he yep. Pierre Strong's not doing much. Harris is no. doing much. Like, you're going in with Stevenson, Harris, and, and Montgomery as your top three guys. I would be shocked if Montgomery is not in that, you know, third down receiving role at times. I'd be shocked if they didn't move him around and put him at receiver every once in a while. I was I was happy with the signing, and some people thought, like, I was being a little bit over the top. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, relatively speaking, for the money that they paid for this guy, I can see how he can help this football team. And he's done pretty well, so hopefully that continues. He's- He's Walmart uh, Debo from you. <laughs> he's he's, <laughs> he's Walmart Debo. Costco, I mean, Costco, Costco Debo. <laughs> there you go. Uh, three down. Uh, Mac Jones. I mean, look, he threw a dime to Aguilar, but outside of that, not very good. And they were really sort of fundamental plays. I mean, the the first throw to Parker should have been on his front side. You know, Parker. They rep that play all the time, and Parker's not expecting the ball back here. Could he have caught it? Yeah. But it needs to be a better throw. You know, he sails the ball to Jacoby Myers. I thought there was a there was a scramble in the red zone where he got some yards, but like he had a good pocket. There was no reason for him to leave. Go make a play or flip the ball out to Ty Montgomery, uh, who's a bigger dude than you think, uh, standing next to him in the locker room. He's a big, thick dude. So uh Mac was my number one down. Uh Cameron Grown again, just not much. I think he made one play in the game, which was more than last week, but you feel for the kid. He's obviously not, he hasn't bounced back from the ACL like some other people. And uh, I'll mix it up and go with another name, not to buy again, but I'll go with Cole strange at first blush. I thought Cole strange played a good game. When I went back and watched him a lot closer, I thought there was a lot of technique stuff that, you know, it's just, 
it's it's not there right now. And he's a guy who, God, again, I don't mean to pine for Dante Scarnecchia, but if Dante Scarnecchia was here, like that kid would be kicking ass and taking names at this point. And and really, he he, I wouldn't say he struggles a lot in the practices and and in the games, but he struggles more than you would you would think at this point. And to me, again, I think it goes back to coaching. Frustrating uh, roster. A couple things happened this week. Tyquan Thornton out collarbone. That sucks. Uh, Ronnie yeah. Perkins to the IR. He will not play a single snap in his first two years as a Patriot. That sucks even more. Uh, Trent Brown and Kendrick Bourne. Trent Brown, not too surprising because as you've mentioned, he's had some things in the past. Kendrick Bourne, um, somebody that we've talked about who was seemingly always in a good mood, always on the rails, always yep. benched. Um, so some, some roster things happening here, Greg, uh, take them as you want them. Thornton Perkins, Brown and Bourne. Yeah. I think most of the stuff is well-trotted territory, but I, I do want to talk about Taekwon for a second because I mean, look, he, he's probably going to come back, but you know, it, it's going to be, he's going to be hard pressed to have a real role on this team outside of like a deep threat. I mean, he'll be back in probably late October, you know, which gives him time and we'll see. But I, I just wanted to say like, you know, I, I was very impressed with the kid and what he had done. It's disappointing. Uh, I'm not going to get into the injury thing and his, you know, it, was it because of his build? I think that's easy to say. I asked Doc Flynn about it on our site and she said, it's ridiculous. She's a doctor. I'll defer to her on that. But what I'm worried about is like, Taekwon was bringing um, an athletic ability that you could see developing. It was coming more and more every day that they don't really have on the team. And like, and we sort of touched on it earlier with the Hunter Henry stuff. Like, you know, he was a dangerous guy who could threaten all areas of the field. And I, they really don't have that guy now. And it's, you'd love to have it. I mean, it's not going to, it's not a season killer or anything like that, but it's just disappointing. And it's just, further illustrates like they don't have a whole lot in the pipeline, which is disappointing. It's annoying. You know, um, look, uh, who knows if Nikhil Harry's career would have ended up being different if, if it wasn't for the early injury that just really wiped out his rookie season for the most part, but you never want to see somebody who, who's just kind of getting going. And, and just like you said, Greg, everything I read, and, you know, watching the games and listening to Sosti and, and Zoe talk about, you know, the leaps that he has made and Perillo jumping in there and saying that as well. It, it seemed like he was going down the right road. And I'm not telling you he's going to average like seven catches a game, but it did seem like, hey, man, this guy is finding a role um, and he might actually do a little more than we anticipated. And then you slam the brakes with the injury. So hopefully he comes back and and can get going a little bit. But th there's no doubt it's going to stall him. Uh, UDFAs, any UDFAs that are sticking out to you that might actually make the team and affect this roster? Yeah, uh, one of your favorite topics, uh, Brendan Schooler. Uh, this he looks like he <laughs> looks like he plays guitar in uh, in a hair band, uh, a, a hard rock band on the weekends. Um, tatted it. up, long hair, singing Freebird. Yep, I, and that's yeah, what he looks dude. like. But dude, the dude's yeah. on all this. He's on all the special teams. So you know, you know that he's going to get one of Belichick's. I mean, I don't know if he displaces somebody, but he's getting one of the special golden special teams tickets 
um, that Belichick loves to give out. <laughs> so, I mean, that's all he's going to do. He's never going to play safety for this team. But God damn it, he's on every special team, so you know he's going to be on the roster. So add him to Matthew Slater and Justin Bethel and Cody Davis. And part of me hopes that Schooler is just replacing Cody Davis, but I doubt that he is. Uh, and there's probably somebody else that I'm forgetting. Um, but Belichick just can't quit these guys. And Demarcus Mitchell, who, first of all, I got to tell you, looks like a freaking Brit crap house like the dude is yeah. jacked with abs yep. and scares me i don't want to i don't want to make him <laughs> angry um and he showed some pass rush the other night and yep. he's on a lot of special teams too i don't know where he's gonna fit on the roster but it looks like he's going there so there you go two udfas make room baby i love it oh special teams bonanza let's go Let's go. Let's schooler. Let's do your tattoos and your hair. Let's do this, Guitar Hero. Yes. Let's go. Yes, I mean, hey, you... Schooler. <laughs> Super for schooler. Schooler. You see him make the play schooler. Oh, you might not be able to block for your quarterback, damn it, but we're going to dominate special teams. That's right. Get ready. Oh, oh. shit. I got to Schooler's this. calling you. Hey, can you, can you wrap it up real quick? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. All right, let's jump to the uh, BostonSportsJournal.com member question hey, of the day. Uh, check on, them out, uh, BSJ, thirty nine ninety nine on the annual okay. plan. Uh, not only do you get top-notch analysis, Boston Pro Sports, Patriots Junkie, listening to this podcast, you are. Membership at BSJ gives you access, ton of video analysis, Bedard does, you know the deal. Um, Vic Esperance says, uh, at some point, Greg, would you be so kind as to give us a primer on the IR rules? You guys are starting to be put out of Various reasons yeah. can't keep track of what's what. So what's up with the IR rules? So real, real quick on this because I got to run. Um, so if if the players if they go on if if they go on IR before the final cutdown, they're lost for the season. If you want them to come back during the season, they have to be on the fifty-three man roster initially. So that means you have to cut somebody else, and then you can move them to IR and sign somebody back in that roster space. So that's the the nuts and bolts of it. Um, All right, Greg got a very important phone call. We yep. have to run. We gave you a lot of info here in Intel. Greg Bedard, Patriots podcast. Nick Cattles brought to you by Athletic Greens, brought to you by betonline.ag. Raiders, Patriots coming up. We'll talk to you next week.